Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. The Unshakable Saint is the series that we're in. Today, my assignment is to talk with you about I will have an overflowing heart. I find myself in the book of Psalm, chapter 27, verses 1 through 14 is the context of where I'll be landing today, but there's something about an overflowing heart. If you're going to be an unshakable saint, if you're going to have, have an unshakable life, If you're going to be anchored, if you're going to have a God life, if you're going to be the individual that's immovable and indestructible, then there's going to have to be something so deep in your life that it it supersedes life itself. I'll never forget, Lyle came home from Africa one time. Some of you may not know Lyle's backstory, and I'm not here to tell you the whole backstory, but he had been in Africa for some time, and He came home the first time, and he said, Dad, he said, I found what I will spill my blood for. The dad in me said, no. But the God in me said yes. Because there was an identity that was made and revealed and known. that many of us may have not experienced yet in your walk in Christ. But I ask you a simple question this morning. Are you to the place in your life that you can truly say, I will give my life for the cause of Christ? Because it comes to the place that God will confront you as he did his disciples And Peter finally fessed up and said, when asked the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, by revelation only, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. Christ said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And so there comes a moment that every single person in this room today has to come face to face with the question, who am I? Who are you serving? Who are you worshiping? And I'm not here to condemn nor shame. That's not the point of my conversation at this moment. But it is to say, is it just because these guys are so good? No, no, no. It's because we've got a God that is so good. And that I want to be immovable. I want to be unshakable. I want to be so planted deep by the rivers of the Spirit of God that nothing can move me to the left or to the right. I want to know this morning that God is able to get me through everything that I face in this life. I want you to know this morning, regardless of where you've been, where you are, and where you're going, 
that God is able to get you to where he's promised you. The promises of God are yea and amen. They are not frivolous. They are not of such that you can believe one day and not the next. If God says this is who you are, I want you to know this is who you are. I was right reminded this morning. Have you ever, can I be transparent? Have you ever laid your sword down? Have you ever been through some stuff that beat you up so severely that you laid your sword down and said, God, I can get through by just being there. I can get through by just studying for a message. I can get through with minimal amount of prayer. I can get through with minimal amount of worship. I can get through with just being good to my wife when I feel like it. Come on, somebody. But God is saying it's time to quit being a minimalist. And it's time to be saturated again in the power and the presence of the power of the Holy Ghost. And God is ready to move in you like never before. I believe that there is a fresh outpouring of the power and the presence of God in this very time than we've never experienced before in our lives. And it's for the hungry. It's for those that will maintain a good heart, a clean heart. Because that's what happens to us when we lay our sword down. We get to that place in our lives to whereby that we are just getting by. But just getting by causes us to make, to, 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 it causes us to have a distance in our worship. It causes us to have distance in our relationships. All relationships. It causes us to have distance in our faith. What you used to pray for and believe God to do, now you're just simply praying and going, I hope God does this because I am not in a good frame of mind today to really believe that God will do this. Am am I talking to anybody? After 40 years of living for God, I want not that's not much compared to many, but I want you to know I've learned a few things over the years. But today we're going to talk about an overflowing heart. I've got to get off myself. Let's look, let's look, let's look. Psalm 27, 7, 8 out of the NLT, it says, Hear me as I pray, O Lord. David, this David is saying these words because he has not yet been anointed king. He is still yet a person that's waiting for his destiny. He's still waiting for what God has promised him. He, he sees and knows his identity, but he's not completely in it yet. And so therefore he begins to write and he says, hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responded, Lord, I am coming. I am coming. I am in pursuit. The, the, the heart, the full heart is made perfect in pursuit. Now that may be strange for some because some may 
uh, parallel their walk with God with knowledge. And I love knowledge, and you need to have it, and you need to pursue knowledge because we need to prove ourselves by the, our study of the Word of God. But equally so, we must begin to pursue our relationship with God to whereby that it supersedes our knowledge to whereby that I am experiencing what I have read. And whenever I, what I have read is for me to learn and experience that what Jesus Christ has done for me through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, now I can live in this life. But we sell God short so oftentimes because our heart is cold or distant or we're just getting by. A.J. Tozer once said this. He said, the Holy Spirit speaks to thirsty hearts whose longings have been wakened by the touch of God within them. There's always a touch of God. There are many voices that are trying to get your attention today. The many voices would seek to shape your life and your destiny, but we know where the voice comes from. We know the true voice. The voice of God is heard most distinctly when the heart is overflowing with the Holy Spirit, overflowing with the things of God, overflowing when it's to the brim, when the heart is at the brim and flowing over the sides full. Can I ask you today, are you full? Are you full? The heart, let's define heart for just one moment. In the Hebrew, the heart simply means this. It's the inner man. It's the mind, will, and just the understanding. It is knowledge, thinking, reflection, memory, seat of appetite, seat of emotions, passion, seat of courage. That's what the Hebrew would have us to understand, that that is our heart. But let's look at the theological definition of heart. The heart is the inner spiritual man inside of each person who is born again. A new creation in Christ, born again. The inner man has a spiritual sense of seeing, of hearing, of feeling, of speaking. I learned so many years ago that as we get closer to God, because we have been taught oftentimes not to trust our feelings and not to trust every little thing that we hear or see necessarily, but whenever we are maintaining a pure heart, when our heart is overflowing we can begin to realize that the heart is being shaped by the presence of God. And there comes a point in our lives to whereby that if we maintain that, that relationship with God and our heart is overflowing, that whenever we, we can begin to, if I may, we can begin to start to trust our feelings. Because God's dealing with us. We're, we're, not, dis, we're, not, we're not distant from God. We're, we're not disconnected from God. Every morning I get up and I, I begin to seek towards the things of God. I woke up this week and I, I don't know what made me think of this. I thought of it in the first service. And I woke up, I don't know what day it was this week. And I woke up and I, I said, God, I haven't had a blessing in a few weeks. I don't always say that, and I'm not saying you pray for nothing more but for yourself. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that's what I said, and it just is real. That's transparency. This one, I woke up, and I said, God, I haven't had a blessing in a few weeks. Let's do something with that. <laughs> and so I began to realize that I went to bed that night thinking about the things of God, woke up that morning thinking about the things of God. Now, I, I, I turned to Paul in Ephesians in his letter to the church at Ephesus in chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 out of the New King James. And he said this, he said, that the God 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his, capital H, his divine divinity, his calling. My mind immediately goes to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter number 22, where the word of the Lord said, many are called, few are chosen. Whenever I begin to look at that, I begin to understand that being called simply is to every person that has been born again. You are called. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are called. But the chosen ones aren't a special group. It's not a group of people that have necessarily gifts of the Spirit operating in their lives. It's not those that, that have absolutely uh, just are the, the greatest prayer warriors. They're not the ones that fast the most. They're not necessarily the ones that are the most talented. I want you to know this morning that the chosen people of God, leadership in the kingdom of God, let me go on record as saying, it is for those who are faithful. I mean, you do it when you don't feel like doing it. I mean, Todd, we sing when we don't feel like singing. I mean, whenever last few weeks ago, I, I went to bed on a Saturday night and my wife said, am I going to have to preach in the morning? Because I was sick and I was running a fever of 102.7. And that night I prayed when I went to bed and I said, God, I said, I want you to break this sickness off of me right now in the name of Jesus. And that night, I'm telling you, honest God's truth, about 2 a.m. in the morning, I got up out of my bed to go to the restroom. That's what we old men do. And I came back to the bed and it was so soaked. I mean, literally it was wet. And God had ministered in my body while I was sleeping for those few hours. I had to go get a towel and put down in the bed to go back to sleep because the bed was so wet. I woke up the next morning. I was ready to go. I pumped myself full of vitamins and here we go. So the point is, I get up, I preach my two sermons on Sunday morning right after the, right after the sermon was over, about 1.30 or so, here it come back again. God said, I, got, I answered your prayer exactly the way you prayed it. I need to preach. I didn't get close to anyone. I tried to stay my distance. But my point is, God is looking for some faithful people. Do y'all know anybody that on Thursday afternoon they're already making reasons why they're not going to be in church on Sunday morning? Y'all don't know people like that. I, I happen to know some folks like that. Well, I just don't know if I can make it. I just don't know. I'm starting to feel tired on Thursday. I know I'm not going to feel good on Sunday. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to faithful people. You're here today. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm going to be faithful to the things of God. So when we look at the heart, the overflowing heart, God said there are many that are called, but few that are chosen. Let's finish that verse. It says, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? God has an inheritance for those that he has called. What is your inheritance? Do you know who you are? Let's look a little deeper at the overflowing heart. Notice with me in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. The inner man, the inner person must be right because this is the source, this heart that we all have that God uses. And the Bible says that out of it flow the issues of life. It is the starting point. It is the source of how I live my day to day to day. 
So if my heart is good, my day, my, my life imparts goodness. Let's go on. Notice with me in the dictionary, it says this, to have something as a source, it is where it originates from and where it proceeds from. In other words, it's an origin of my thought. So now hang with me for just a second. Whenever I begin to talk about the origin of our thought, talking about an overflowing heart today, how many have become disconnected because of relationships? Now, I, I, I learned something recently. I've been doing a series in the book of Genesis, a very powerful book. If you've never read the book of Genesis through, you need to read it. But there's something that I learned about Cain and Abel. I had all often been asked in, in times of giving, of generosity and, and tithing and offerings. And somebody came to me one time and simply said, Pastor, I've been giving them my tithe. I want you to know, but nothing's changed in my finances. I certainly asked them, are you being a good steward, etc." Yes, we're being good stewards. We're going through the Ramsey courses. We're doing this, we're doing that. And I said, well, I'm just gonna have to take a moment. I'm gonna have to look into this a little deeper because the Bible says, and the Bible's never wrong. So I go back and I begin to look and I come out with the fact is, is that I understand that God said to give of your first fruits and I understand that that's sort of what Abel did with what he gave to God versus what Cain gave to God. And then I begin to look in the book of Genesis at Cain and Abel just a little bit further. I believe this is also true. I believe that the depth of the truth of that goes even deeper than that. Because whenever Cain came to God, because the Bible says that Cain and Abel came to God and they presented God with an offering. Now, hang with me for a second. That was their giving, their tithe, their offering. They, if I may, they came to church. They offered God an offering. One was accepted and the other was not accepted. Think with me for just a second. What was, re, what was going on in the life of Cain and Abel at that moment? What happened a few verses later in their lives? Cain murdered Abel. So the point here is this. God will not accept our offering to him when our eyes are not vertical on him and our eyes are vertical, or excuse me, horizontal on other people. So when Cain came before God, he brought his offering to God, but his mind was on Abel. Because whenever he looked at Abel, he looked at him with some type of... Uh, uh, I don't know, he, he was irritated, he was frustrated, he was mad with Abel. Evidently, Abel was doing something right that Cain was not doing. And so when they offered to God what was to be given to God, one was accepted, one was not. So therefore, we all have this necessity in our hearts that when we come before God, our eyes, minds, hearts should and, should and how do I want to say, they should be on God. Because if they're not, and I'm looking at Brian Nera standing beside me going, this joker, what's he doing jumping around worshiping? Who's he think he is? Mary Pat, what in the world is she doing up here? I'm so sick. And what about that one? What about this one? Who do that? You've got to get your eyes off people and you've got to get your eyes on God. Because when I bring my offering to God, I can't have it on Brian. I can't have it on Todd. I've got to have it on God. And when I get my mind on God, God says, I will receive whatever you bring to me. Bring me your first fruits. Bring me your offering. I will bless you with that. And you will become disheartened. You will become disconnected is my point. Because you're not being blessed like Brian is being blessed, using him as the example. Because you're doing, at least it looks like on the outside, I'm doing what he's doing, but God's not doing for me what he's doing for him. 
And if it gets, if we go long enough, I'm going to get frustrated and irritated with you and with God. And I'm going to get to the place to where I'm going to be like Cain. I'll take you out on the back 40 and cut your head off. <laughs> Bible doesn't say that, but let's just play with it. It's about the heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about the heart. Proverbs 14, 27 says, fear the Lord in The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Luke 6, 45 says, let me get some of these verses in because you need to have the foundation. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we talk about treasure, I double underlined the word treasure in my notes. The treasure is a place of deposit. It's a depository. It's a place where we store things. It's where I put my valuables. It's my savings. What are you saving? What, 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 what do you have? Where, where is that place in you and what is in there? If we were to open you up and look at what's in the heart, what's in there? What's in there? Come on with me. Think. Is it money? Well, I go to church to make relationships so I can make more money. Wrong idea. I'm just networking. Legacy seems a great place to network. And it is a great place to network. You should network here. But not because of networking. I think we should build each other up. I think those things are true. But there's something about the things that's going on in the heart. Notice with me in John 7, 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What is the living water? It's the Holy Spirit. Water, symbolically, in the New Testament, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is flowing from me, or it should be. Holy Spirit. To have an overflowing heart. Notice with me Psalm 45, verse number one, out of the Message Bible, it says, my heart bursts its banks, spilling beauty and goodness. My heart bursts its banks, spilling beauty and goodness, overflowing, to keep moving, to stir up, to do. David said this. He said, whenever I couldn't find anybody around me to get any type of encouragement, I had to go to myself. I had to stir myself up. There's sometimes in our lives that we've got to stop what we're doing and quit looking around and look inwardly, and we've got to stir ourselves up. Turn to your neighbor and say, stir yourself up. The overflowing heart encourages a praying heart. The overflowing heart cries out to God according to Psalm 27, 7. Again, David here is preparing to be king. He said, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, crying out to God. Oswald Chambers once said this. Notice what he said. He said, get into the habit of dealing with God about everything. Unless in the first waking moment of the day, you learn to fling the door wide back and let God in. You will work on a wrong level all day long. But swing the door wide. Swing it wide open and pray to your Father in secret and every public thing will be stamped with the presence of God. It all starts very early on. The overflowing heart believes and receives answers from God. Psalm 27, 7 says, Have mercy also upon me and answer me. Proverbs 8, 34 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. It is simple. We don't just pray. 
We pray to believe that God is going to send something back our way. I pray with faith to believe that God's going to answer my prayer. I was sitting in my prayer chair this week, and I began to think about the service here today, and I thought to myself, God, what is it that you really want? And for 10 or 15 minutes every day, usually every day, my prayer chair, I sit behind my desk. My prayer chair is the, the chair, two chairs. There's one on the right, and that's my prayer chair. I get out from behind the desk. I go there, and I sit for 10 or 15 minutes a day, and I sit in silence. I don't worship. I don't have worship music on. I turn it off. I don't say anything. And I say, God, speak to me. And I sit with my eyes closed, and I wait for those thoughts. I wait for those God moments. I wait for those pictures. Now, I want to speak to you this morning and minister because God wants to heal somebody's body in this room this morning. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you come here for this morning, but God's going to heal you today. I don't know whether it's your emotions that need healing or whether it's your physical body that need, needs healing, but God is fixing to heal you in this room today because God's ready to do a miracle for you. And I think that's what prompted my waking up the other morning and saying, God, I haven't received a blessing recently. And I begin to think about my prayer life and I begin to think about others' prayer lives. And I wanna ask you a question this morning. When is the last time what you prayed, God moved on and answered you? Or have you just simply been praying into a void, into a dark hole, into a deep black abyss and nothing's ever coming back? It's just you. You feel like, God, here I am praying like you've asked me to. Here I am praying and worshiping like you've asked me to, but I don't feel like anything's happening in my life. Can I go on record as saying this morning that a heart that is disconnected, a heart that is full of things of the world, cannot hear from God and that it is set in a place that God is trying to get you to clean up instead of you pursuing more of God. I want you to listen to what I just said. Are you in a place of constantly, may I, of repenting? Oh God, you know I messed up. Oh God, oh God. Oh, God, your life as a Christian should not always be. God's not going to kick you out of the church, out of heaven. But I want you to know this morning, there ought to be a time and place in all of our lives, and it ought to be more than not, that our heart is clean in an upright position with God to whereby that I have the faith. Because when my heart is cluttered with stuff and junk and, and, and things and memories and, and whatever it is that I'm fighting and dealing with, it's cluttering up my heart and I don't pray the same I don't act the same I don't talk the same I don't I don't my faith is not in a position to believe for things because I'm dealing with me constantly dealing with me I'm talking to you now because that is absolutely if we don't watch, and if you live for God long enough, I'm telling you, when you got saved, come in the church with a blaze of glory. But then something happens, and it knocks you off your feet, and you have to get up, and not only do you have to get up, but you have to decide, am I still going to serve? Am I still going to pray? Am I still going to be connected to the church? Because who hurt you, I promise you, wasn't the world. It was someone in the church. Because the world no longer has a hand or a hold on you in that respect. Because we, we expect that from the world. But I didn't expect it from the church. And now, 
I'm going to just, we're going to go deeper. This is what I do know over time, over decades now. Got into church. This is church I got in. Man, everything's wonderful. And then something happened in my life and it made a layer of hurt and pain. I prayed to God and I said, God, I need your help. God, I repent. God, help me through this hurt and through this pain. And God helped me through that and I made it through at that time. And then I lived for God for another two or three years and I got hurt again. Somebody else in the church. Maybe it was ministry. Maybe it was whoever, whatever. But I got hurt again in the church. Now I've got another layer of callous opportunities for hurt, pain, callous, distance from God, distance from my wife, distance from those that I love the most. And then I live for God another two or three, four years, and then I get hurt again. Now I've been in church 10 years. And I've been hurt four or five times. I'm not just talking about stump my toe and had to run and get something bandaged up. I'm talking about my heart's bleeding. Something's going on in my life and I've been hurt and my heart's bleeding and I, and I don't really know what to do with it, but God, I'm bringing it to you today. Oh, and this is just 10 years in. Now I'm in 12 years and I get hurt again. Now I'm in 15, I get hurt again. Now I'm in 18, I get hurt again. All in the church. And I'm not saying that you should leave the church. Absolutely not. You should draw closer to the church. But I'm talking about pure heart. Because if you don't deal with pain and hurt immediately, you will callous and distance yourself from God and you will eventually get to the place that you are no longer any use to the body of Christ. Oh, you're here. You're here. But your heart's all cluttered up. You're here, but you're hurt. You're here, but you're bleeding. And you're in the right place. But you got to let God heal your heart so you can clean it out again. And so that you can get back in the right place again. So you can get back in the right cadence again. There's a cadence to your walk. There's a... Here we go. Here we go. There's a, there's a rhythm. There's a rhythm about your walk. There's a, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in rhythm. I'm in lockstep with God. I'm moving with the Holy Ghost. But about six months ago, man, I didn't know. I didn't know which way to walk. I didn't know which way to move. Why? Because I was out of step with God. Oh, and now I've been living for God another five years. And lo and behold, you know what? I got hurt again. Some of y'all in here are still so young. If God doesn't come back, you got another 50 years to live for God. Guys, I'm 58. Give me another good 58 years, I'll be ready to meet the Lord. I'll be 116, I'd say that'd be good, right? Hallelujah. I'm gonna ask you, will you make it to 58? Will you make it? Will you get there? Or will you be another statistic on the way to your retirement? Mm, I, son, now come on. 
we, we, we got to talk some transparent talking here this morning because there's some of us that are so hurt right now, you don't even know if you can be back here next Sunday. You said before you came, God, if you don't do something today, I may not be back next Sunday because I got some stuff going on in my heart. And I want you to know this morning until you repent and say, God, I need you today more than I've ever needed you in my life. Then you get all that stuff cleaned out so you can begin to hear from God again. It's about an overflowing heart. It's not about showing up, being here, and smiling. Do that until your heart gets clean. But come with every intent with your heart getting cleaned out. I'm not just here to get through another service. I'm here to get clean again. I'm here to get right again. I'm here to get it all put on the altar again. I'm here to hear from God again. I'm here to see what God can do in my life. I'm not going to be stagnant. I'm not benign. God didn't call me to sit around. God called me to be powerful. God called me to be on the cutting edge of what he's doing. God called me to stand up erect in my back straight and say, devil, you don't belong here. You're not running my life. I don't know what you think about that type of preaching, but it's okay because some of you are attacked and you need to realize that there's an enemy after your soul. You've got to learn to stand up and look him straight in the eyes and say what is living in me is more powerful than anything in this world. And I'm going to be clean. Now I've been living for God for 25 years. You've got another 25 to go. What you going to do? Can I say something? I don't know why I'm saying this. But there's somebody in here that's asking God for a marriage and for a mate. And I want you to know that can be the biggest blessing in your life. Or the worst thing that ever happened to you. Get it right the first time. To the very best of your ability. And if you're in the second one. Don't you charge the, the second one with the first one's mistakes. Clean your heart out. Give them your very best. Get your heart in it. Get it clean. Get right before God. Oh, feel the spirit of the Lord in here. Somebody needs to get it cleaned out today because you're on your last leg. And I'm not being pessimistic or negative. I'm just letting you know it's time to get it right before God because God wants to bless your life. God wants to come at you with blessing. God wants to come at you with everything that's good and every promise that he's ever given you because there's some of you that have great promises in your life and you've been negating those promises because of how you feel and what's went on in your life and people that have come, people that have gone, people people that have said yay and people that have waved goodbye. You should say goodbye to those that said goodbye and wish them the best and let them know you're not going to stop serving God and stop giving God your very best. Come on, somebody. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.